Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about growing your membership on a pay-what-you-can model. Joining me today is Steely Haralambus, the CEO of the Daily Maverick in South Africa, an independent news organisation founded back in 2009. In July of this year, civil unrest broke out in South Africa, surrounding the imprisonment of former President Zuma. It's a reminder of the quality of news reporting that the country desperately needs today, and an outlet that many are turning to is the Daily Maverick. However, with high levels of unemployment felt across the country, getting readers to pay is not a simple thing to ask of them. Three years ago, the news organisation launched a membership offering called Maverick Insider, asking readers to pay only if they can, and then whatever they can. It didn't want to deny access to critical information by using a hard pay gate, but at the same time, it needed this revenue to cover the costs of its journalism. Today, it has 17,000 members, and it wants to hit 100,000 in the next five years. Stilly tells me today why that is a realistic goal and how they plan to hit it. The key question is how to prioritise and manage growth amongst economic and political challenges. And we'll talk more about that after a quick word on our episode sponsor for today. This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Memberful, which is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. You can monetize your fantastic newsletters through Memberful with no need to connect to a third-party email provider. Try it for free on memberful.com, where you can also take up pro and premium plans to really start cranking up and customizing your membership offering. Stilly, pleasure to have you on the journalism.co.uk podcast. Great to see you again. Um, How are things? How's work? Um, holding the line is probably the best way to describe what's, uh, what we're going through at the moment, uh, at this particular moment in this country, in this time, in this industry, uh, convergence of challenges and pressures. Uh, but within that, you know, I think we're doing a, a pretty good job to keep, uh, innovating, keep surviving, keep growing, uh, an organization that has, uh, matured over the last 12 years. Uh, if not just a little bit. That sets the tone quite nicely. Um, what's the work setup like for you at the moment? Working from home in the office? Uh, well, we spent the better part of a decade trying to get people into an office. So um, this remote working thing for us wasn't wasn't too difficult uh, to, to, to get right. Um, we've actually just let go of our Johannesburg office um, after we set up our newspaper operation there last year in the middle of COVID. Um, but the team is used to putting things together remotely. And so we just have our um, membership finance teams working out of our headquarters in Cape Town um, and using this space for training workshops and, you know, just getting together and, and people being given the flexibility to come in and have a an escape from the family place as well, which is also quite important. Yeah. I agree. That's a lot of plates to be spinning at, at, at a time of disruption. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the fire we were born into and and not much has changed. I think if anything, we, you know, our heat resistant suits have, uh, have gotten a little bit better at it uh, as more and more fires have been added to the mix. And you just kind of learn to to grow with that and, and uh, bring new people, new talent and fresh people into the organization uh, just to keep going. The Daily Maverick were one of a few organisations in Latin America, Africa and Southeast Asia, cited in a recent inflection study by Sembra Media, Luminate and the Centre for International Media Assistance. 
The report wanted to look at the challenges and impact of digital native media. The top line really was that they punch above their weight. They're able to do a lot with very little. Despite small resources, the journalism that they're able to put together has significant political and societal impacts. We've never known a time of, uh, you know, a bloated organizations with big corner offices and massive support systems. It's been uh, it's been like that where everyone's had to get their hands dirty from from the get go. The founders we're still founder led after 12 years. And I think that that culture of running lean and uh, doing more for our colleagues um, has been something we've tried to cultivate. And so we've kept that going as we've grown you know, into a 120 plus organization now. Um, and yeah, that's just the culture, the way it is. And and and, I, and unfortunately, I guess what is demanded of of media organizations these days. Mm. From from your inception, what was your path to sustainability? What were your what was your vision? Uh, the vision has always been to do the kind of public service journalism that makes uh, a difference and has an impact on society um, that helps defend democracy, and you know helps people navigate their lives with uh, the kind of work that you know, we put out into the world. And so um, that has always been the sort of the guiding light for us. And and we've um, never compromised on that as we have tried to experiment with different uh, products and different uh, revenue opportunities. And it was really, I guess, the first eight years was just about surviving and, and keeping this going and sort of tinkering with the, the company structure in order to access more grant funding and philanthropy um, and then eventually, you know, ending up at the membership model uh, three and a half years ago that is that has really helped us sort of change our path and, and speed up our path to sustainability and growth beyond that. Interesting. It's interesting, you know, grant funding because that report cites that it's a, it's a very important source of funding for independent media such as yourself. Is, is that the case for the Daily Maverick? Yeah, it is. You know, the kind of work that we do, especially in the in the investigative space, is really hard to to fund through commercial channels, especially as as a startup or as a small organization. So to be able to absorb those costs of those investigations that take months, uh, and and often you know end up in some kind of legal threat hanging over your head and having to be defended, um, climate uh, crisis reporting, uh, internship training, um, civil society reporting. So a bunch of uh, areas that are underrepresented or news deserts, as, as we like to call them, um, you know, it, it's really important that we were able to access those kinds of funding opportunities for those specific uh, beats. Yeah, I put grant funding and philanthropy in one in one kind of category for this question. Is there a ceiling on that type of funding where it's, you know, there's only so much you can gain from it? Yeah, especially in a, in a market like South Africa, where philanthropy or grant funding for media and uh, journalism is quite limited. And so for us, that's, there's going to be a cap on that. So when we look forward and we project, you know, what is the what is the revenue model uh, split look like in five years time, we're not adding much more to the philanthropy grant funding bucket that we're achieving at the moment. Um, where we do see a little bit of growth potentially coming in, um is working with corporates as they move to more uh sustainable uh development type funding programs as they realize that the majority of corporate social investment uh, uh, that's spent in the country goes towards education but doesn't make much of a difference in on the whole because the system is broken and and hopefully people realize that journalism is one of those things that can actually help fix the system so we're we're seeing um potentially a bit of 
extra growth coming from corporates in that space as they see things like the, our climate crisis funding uh, team um, is partly funded by corporate sponsorship um, for, at the foundation level, grant funding level. And so that was an interesting sort of hybrid deal that we were able to conclude. Um, but in terms of, you know, going forward, the majority of our revenue growth and opportunities are going to come from commercial and reader revenue uh, buckets. Gotcha. That's really interesting. I didn't expect this to come up, but it's something I've definitely heard from other startups that as as commercial companies think more about their sustainability and where those goals may align with the news organization, there's potentially room to to work together on things like branded content, sponsored opportunities, this kind of thing. Am I am I hitting the bright lines here? Yeah, and and I think that uh, that word that I use, the hybrid deal, is probably going to be that space because you know if you're sitting in front of a uh, a marketing person at a at a big organization, they're going to have very strict you know KPIs, targets, cost per acquisition, numbers that they're going to want to hit. And when you're competing against the likes of uh, Google and Facebook, for example, it's going to be very difficult for us as individual publishers to, you know, be able to make a dent there. But where we can make a dent is on the social responsibility side. On and so you're speaking to a different person. You, you're, you know, you're accessing a different budget. And you know, those hybrid deals, I think, could be something worth investing in. This is this is all pulled into context. Um... Of the situation in South Africa, um, which which I'd love you to elaborate a little bit more on on how some of these economic challenges, political challenges, are are affecting your your mentality towards growth at the moment. Yeah, so it's all kind of tied up, right? We've just come out of um, a decade with the the, the previous pre- president of the, of the country, who basically you know auctioned off. Uh, access to state resources to connected families and people and at the expense of um, at the expense of service delivery in the country and so we've seen our state-owned enterprises of you know on near collapse um, service delivery in in local metros um, are you know have also collapsed and so all of this is starting to create um, massive economic impact for us we're not growing our energy um our national energy grid is falling apart um and so all of this is causing uh, is it is exacerbating the unemployment problem so we, we you know we have you know 35% unemployment and close to 70% youth unemployment and so you know if you have a reader revenue model that you're looking to try and grow you're going to have some severe restrictions in terms of, in terms of the total addressable market for for reader for reader revenue and similarly if companies and and businesses are, are struggling to grow then marketing spend is going to be affected so um you know it's it's within this environment within this landscape that we need to try and still carve out our own growth path uh, which is still very much our mindset it just means we have to be more innovative we have to be more creative we have to uh, do more with less <laughs> goes back to my first point but it seems to me that's a compounding situation you've got a lot of very important journalism to do and and readers who there's there's not a great ability there to pay for the content necessarily how does that translate across into your your membership model um maverick insider yeah so so the first thing we do is make sure we have a diversified model so we talked about those buckets and you know we try and you know uh, the plan was to try and get a third from philanthropy a third from commercial efforts and a third from our members which is a model we've uh, well, a situation we've pretty much achieved after three and a half years of launching the membership program and then you know the membership program um, has grown quite nicely I think we were in the top 
10 or 11 um, list of, of, of active membership programs in the world in, by, by number of active members. Um, and so we've had great success. We had great feedback off the back of, I think, um, you know, a decade of proving to people, you know, the kind of journalism that we do is important and has real world impact. And so um, you kind of go through these phases, right? So you launch it, you get you get traction, you get product market fit, you put more resources behind it, you add more data and more technology and more tools, and um, and then you hit a you know a period of stagnation, and you kind of go, oh, what the hell are we doing wrong? And then it's kind of like there's this always on campaign that needs to be tweaked, and you need to respond, and you need to adapt to it, and sometimes people get you know, tired of uh, the messaging and you've got to come at it from a different angle and you've got to keep growing the funnel at the top. So you've got more people to be, uh, you know, to be targeting with and, and you try and get better at targeting. So all these things, um, and, and these are all new skills, right? These are new skill sets that, you know, uh, two years ago, three years ago, we, you know, we, we, we were barely contemplating. And, and so um, within also, a skills crisis that the country is facing at the moment. Um, you know, we're having to train ourselves up and try and recruit against you know big international companies for e-commerce skills and tech skills and product skills and developer skills, and so all of that you know makes it a tough proposition. But you know, we're a committed, um, I'd say, uh, stubborn uh, <laughs> bunch of uh, bunch of people, and uh, you know, we're 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 fighting away through this, and you know, the growth line is not straight and linear. Um, it goes a little bit like this, and you just hope that it's pointing up and to the right. For our listeners who can't see what you just did, uh, how would you describe the trajectory on the graph? Yes, a squiggly sort of, uh, you know, one step forward, two step back, three steps forward kind of uh, kind of line, you know, which is a little bit uh, all over the place. You know, the dips are there. There are noticeable um there are times when the line flatlines and you and and i guess your heartbeat flatlines with it and then you try and go well we're in crisis mode and what's going wrong um and then you try and respond to that by you know at different stages of where you are in your cycle um but it but it picks up around key investigations right yeah that's one thing we we, we do know is that when we do uh, big investigations that move the needle uh you know we did a couple recently that ended up with the removal of the health minister in the middle of covid um the secretary general of the ruling party of the country was also removed off the back of work that we've done and so these um sort of uh, high profile threats to democracy that are um you know dealt with in some way as a result of the work that we're doing definitely does we do see that that impact we also do well to respond to that and recognize hey this story or this aspect this angle would would you know goes well in our marketing and we should remind people that it's only possible because of their support and and their help and this is you know in a way a a some you know a bit of a an insurance policy on 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 democracy and so that's not a big expense when you think about it that way yeah and the corona bump have you felt that yeah absolutely uh, like most quality publishers around the world we saw that flight to quality uh we had just invested in a in a team that had 
um, decades of uh, connections and work in that civil society health reporting space off the back of the AIDS pandemic that we had. Um, and so that team had just been put together to cover this. And so they were able to pivot quite nicely and, and, uh, and produce some, some really incredible content and journalism throughout, uh, throughout and to this day. And we saw the rise, we, you know, our, our um, monthly visitors more than doubled, our newsletter subscribers, you know, bumped up by sort of 60%. Our membership also, um, we were able to convert off the back of that. And so we had our biggest ever month, um, you know, in a, in a COVID month. And, but that's now starting to shift around and fatigue is setting in. And so we're having to respond, um, you know, with that accordingly. Broadly speaking, your approach to at least read of revenue is pay what you can, right? If you go to the Maverick Insider, there's a sliding scale and you can pay what you can. You get various perks for that. You've got at the end of articles, what I would describe as a Guardian style pledge, you know, that they've had great success with that. Talk to me about that approach. Yeah, so, you know, it's similar in the messaging in that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we have a, a large proportion of our population that are not economically active, couldn't afford this. And so when we were thinking about the model to take, um, you know, the paywall was an option and we would make a lot more money a lot, a lot quicker. But there is a real chance that we might have had a different president of this country right now if we had done that, right? And so those are the consequences of of the choices that we have to make when when choosing a reader revenue model. And so that's why the the you know help keep it free for others who can't afford to pay was very important for us. And and we were very, you know, we were fortunate that at the time we were really considering this. The membership movement was really starting to pick up, and a lot of great work was done by the membership puzzle project. Um, and we leaned on their research um, to design, you know, the one that worked for us. Um, and and so that also giving people, you know, cancel at any time, choose the amount that you can, giving people that choice is really important um, to us and to remove those, you know, the friction from that process. And also to try and position it as a slightly more emotional purchase than a transactional purchase where you are paying for access to content as opposed to you know what I, I'm, I'm taking this out of my the goodwill portion of my household budget rather than the subscriptions portion of my household budget and uh, and that's how we tried to position it and then you know putting it at the end of articles is is a, is a tactic to try and find your most engaged uh, readers people who read to the end of articles uh, is is a good place to start because we only do pretty much long form features, analysis and opinions. And uh, there is a drop off, right? Not everyone gets to the end of articles, but people who do are engaged, most likely to be those people who come back day after day and are more loyal. They had also noticed that a huge chunk of traffic to the sign up page was coming via newsletters. And that confirmed what they were seeing and hearing in reader surveys. So you will now see a big push on the website for newsletters, as well as those calls to become members. By targeting the most engaged users, they have an astoundingly low cancellation rate of just 5%. Once someone signs up for the Daily Maverick, chances are they're there to stay. It takes longer for people to sign up than I'd say a paywall uh, offering. Um, but the upside of that is that they also churn less. The, the churn rate is lower. They stay longer because um, even if they become, uh, if even if they're not uh, massive readers, 
uh, they know they're doing a good thing. And I think that keeps them, you know, keeps them with us longer. Um, our biggest challenge at the moment is the, the payments ecosystem is underdeveloped here. So the tools that you might have available to uh, mitigate uh, expiring credit cards or uh, lost cards or, you know, cards that, that you know, f- transactions that fail, um, we don't really have them because you know, our currency isn't something that, uh, you know, Stripe really invests a lot or restrictions that our, our reserve bank puts in place doesn't allow for these tools to, to be available to us. So we really suffer with, you know, logistical admin type uh, card failure transactions. And so that's our biggest challenge at the moment rather than overall turn. Although we are feeling the impact of COVID and the economics of the country. You've um, also got a long-term goal of, I think, 100,000 members. Is that correct? Yeah. So our goal in the next uh, in the next few years, uh, next five years, is to get to 100,000 members. Um, you know, we're seeing the opportunity to, um, you know, 5X all our key metrics, for 5X all our key metrics. And, um, you know, th- there is scope for that. Um, and we, we, we see that just by a couple of different uh, numbers, you know, the number of people who visit more than 15 times in a month, for example, you know, that number has gone up to 130,000 uh, uniques at some stage. Um, we see the, the uh, number of people who, who uh, sign up to our newsletter now and where we can, you know, what percentage we're converting and we think we can get our newsletter base uh, you know, up to close to a million. And so we can convert uh, 10% of those. Uh, and so these sort of rough guides, converting 10% of, of registered users or converting 1% of monthly uniques um, and our forecasts in terms of where we can get with each of those different audiences uh, all kind of stack up and show, you know, 100,000 is possible. Uh, it's just going to take, you know, work and dedication to get there i i think a really big question i'd like to put to you is how you weigh up a really public interest journalism series of stories that you that you don't want to deny access to your readers versus this being an opportunity to grow your membership how do you weigh up the two yeah i mean so, so first of all you know the journalism is journalism is the product and we know that um there is a correlation between impact and reach right the, the bigger your reach um the the greater chance of of impact so the, 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 that will always be a factor in, in terms of why uh, we can and, and we do do those kinds of investigations and then it's really just up to the to the team to figure out what is the best way that we can um leverage off of this work and um to make sure that we're showing the benefit to our readers and our audiences how does that translate into real world impact right we've done this thing this person's been removed uh that's great but you then in marketing speak have to go one step further and show well and this is how that impacts you in your daily life because if you can do that then you know then it's it's easier for people to make that connection go oh actually this is worth my three four five 10 quid a month that I'm that I'm willing to support um, and so it's, it's up to the the marketing team to make sure they close the loop on on how investigations and to leverage them and to to keep on top and looking at our editorial analytics and kind of going oh these themes are these themes are are, are, are being uh, consumed by our most active and loyal readers what does that tell us how do we use that and how do we 
how do we um, curate marketing copy that speaks to that? Gotcha. Um, I mean, we've spoken a lot about reader revenue today. One thing I know that you think quite a lot about is diversifying revenue streams, because that'll be really important for the future of digital media. Is there a magic number that you've settled on in terms of how many revenue streams you'll need to keep uh, the Daily Maverick sustainable? At this stage, we were at three years ago, we we had six individual revenue streams, uh, diversified revenue streams, um, you know, two revenue streams within each uh, bucket that we talked about. And that was that 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 three two six formation that we that that we had, which was you know three uh, categories and you know two within each of that to give you six individual revenue streams, and and that was a number that I felt most medium sized uh, publishers should be looking at because it it gives you the best sort of protection from market shocks, and there isn't this over reliance on one or one and one supporting revenue stream, which I think it was part of the media industry's uh, problem um, before. And I think as we grow and we become a, a slightly bigger organization, then that'll, you know, that'll grow, that'll need to grow, right? And it'll probably be closer to 10 um, uh, revenue streams, but there'll be, you know, they'll be sort of adjacent to those buckets or maybe even fit into those those existing categories that we have at the moment. I think obviously the commercial one can, you know, can go to a lot of places. But the underlying theme is is not necessarily just how many, but more importantly, are they congruent with the vision and the mission of the organization? And that needs to be the starting point of everything for us because if it's not then you know you're just going to end up in places and neighborhoods you don't really want to be in um or you're just doing it for the sake of making money which shouldn't be shouldn't be the purpose of an organization rather the results of doing something really well or or you know solving a problem really well or addressing an audience need really well and uh, we don't ever want to be in that place where we go oh this is just going to make money so everything we've done has been in line with our vision so when we you know, we started getting into long-form documentaries. That again was tied to our vision of, of you know, we want people to know more and know better, having spent time with daily maverick journalism. Um, and then when we got into book publishing as well, then you know, those efforts again were so closely aligned to to the vision with just alternative forms that we were able to do that. And so, events and uh, uh, all those things adjacent to it uh, are. You know, or if we, you know, if we do go down the road and, and release some of our tools that we built um, to other publishers, which is something that, you know, a lot of media houses, big media houses are getting into, then that still is in line with what we're about as an organization. We're just helping others do that. And so there is this congruency all the way through that I think is important. That's a fantastic point. And I think a good example of this is um, almost a, a division of reader revenue you tried two years ago was microtransactions. You've experimented with that over the past two years. How's that been going? Yeah, so at the time when we hadn't um, yet, you know, dived uh, both feet first into, into the membership program, uh, we were offering readers the opportunity to browse ad-free on the site and, and to do micropayments uh, on a per article basis. And, and we engaged with a service that uh, allowed people to do that. And that was sort of the precursor to um, uh, one of the benefits that we now offer our members. And so as the membership program took off, then it, that kind of swallowed up 
that service and that offering, but ad-free browsing is something that we offer our members. And so, you know, if you're a member and you log into the site, you can choose to switch off uh, the banner ads on the, on the website. And so that helped us, that gave us the data to, to know that that would be a really um, valuable and, 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 and uh, wanted benefit. So we built that into the membership program. Yeah. And I think the congruency that, that, that you talked about here is that getting the ad free experience is one of the, the key sort of targets that you've had from, I guess, the, the inception, really, it's a really big thing for you to try and do. And you've realized that there's a better way to do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and if that improves the, that improves the experience for our, our readers, then that's great. And, and it means that, you know, we're going to have people who more people are spending more time consuming the journalism. Um, our journalism and so that again is in line that we you know we want people to know more know better and you know if that helps it through experience then that's going to be part of the part of the offering yeah i'd like to leave our listeners with an example from from within the daily maverick uh you spoke earlier on about the difficulty in getting talent where you are but actually you've you've been able to recruit from your own ranks someone to work within mental health in the daily maverick yeah, so I think one of the key differences between membership and donation, uh, for example, is that when you make a donation, there's no expectation of anything in return. And a membership, there's this buying into the cause or, or the mission of the organization and building a community around that and the relationship around that. And so um, when when people join the membership, we ask them to uh, let us know if they have any superpowers we put that on on file and we share that with our editorial teams or we our membership team has it in case we need experts for whatever reason or they want to contribute in some other ways that aren't just financial and so one of um one of the first uh, members who signed up on the day we launched uh is a mental health practitioner a counselor uh, who then you know was introduced to our lifestyle editor and started writing uh, columns and articles about mental health and wellness and as COVID hit last year we reached our team and we recognized the impact that was going to have on our team we were already thinking about it anyway just because the stresses of working in this industry and and we said look we really want to make um, a counselor available at our cost to our staff and our, and our people um, this is going to become a mental health you know epidemic as well and um, and we'd like you to do that. And we did a couple of trial runs and he's basically become our in-house counselor. And so that it just for me, that's one of the most heartwarming results of membership is, is how we've we've gone beyond just this is not a financial transaction. This is actually, this is a community of people who want to help, who want to build on this relationship around this public service that we do and who believe in the cause. And so there's just, there's so many examples like that. Um, our general manager of membership uh, was also one of the first people to sign up to the program on the day we launched. And there's just such beautiful stories like that, which which uh, really warm the heart. It's amazing. And I have to point out the, the reason it's amazing is because of what you said very early on in the call is the, the rate of unemployment in the country to actually bring someone on board is just is it's quite amazing, really. Yeah. And we we've created. um you know, 120 job opportunities uh, in an industry that has lost uh, more than 50% of its permanently employed workforce in the last decade. So within that, you know, whether the country was going well or not, I think, you know, journalism would have suffered anyway. But within those two contexts, 
um, for us creating job jobs and job opportunities and especially for young people is um, it's one of our biggest uh, driving forces right now and, and and what keeps spurring us on to to create more and more of those. Stilly, I'm going to ask you just a couple of quick fire questions here to wrap up. And that is about your superpowers, <laughs> <laughs> as it were. So what would you say is the main skill that you need to do your job? Uh, so resilience slash stubbornness, I think it, it, it is one of them. Um, uh, an open an open mind. So willingness to learn and to adapt and to um, and to listen and yeah just and take on outside counsel and advice because you know we're kind of building this airplane as we, as we fly and um i've never built an airplane before um literally or figuratively in the context of building a medium-sized business and so it's it's really just about you know and focusing on people and just you know in all of this um you know just trying to be a kind human and and create a space that people want to join and, and never want to leave. I mean, that's, you know, when people start, I kind of, in my mind, I go like, I hope you're coming into a place that you'll never want to leave. And uh, we do have a low staff uh, turnover and um, we are becoming a beacon for for people to to want to join. Quick follow-up question. As CEO of the organization, what what is the the one or two key things which keep people in, in the organization, you spoke there about the low turnover. What do you have to do as the CEO to pay attention to the the culture in the organization and keeping people motivated and wanting to stay? Yeah, so there's this um, saying that people have that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I go, Man, that doesn't make sense to me. I like Because culture is a strategy, right? It's something that needs to be actively uh, cultivated. It needs to be... Uh, thought out and, and planned and you know what is the culture that we're trying to create here and and that needs to be supported and you need to define it and and document and work with it so you know we, we're doing a lot of that stuff now which is uh, you know linked to some strategic transformation and how we get better at, at uh, setting goals and strategies for ourselves and measuring our success and, and creating opportunities for people to grow and balancing out this flat structure with the lack of structure uh, that still gives people you know who have ambition and want to take things on and, and and do things to support them and so being flexible enough to just be guided by you know a good moral compass and, and the opportunity to do something great Stilly, you've been a really inspiring guest for us today thank you so much for jumping on the podcast it's been a real blast thanks thanks jacob pleasure Really interesting conversation there with Stilly and many takeaways to think about. I love how he described the membership as an emotional transaction. And even for a country where there are economic challenges facing everyday readers, those people can find the money for a new subscription and keep it rolling over. Why? Because the Daily Maverick has managed to weave its journalism into their everyday necessities. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the show, do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. I'd also welcome any other thoughts on today's show, so please do get in touch. But that's all we have time for today. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time.